my head. I was thinking about the grease. Ding, ding, dong. Ding, 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 ding. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, I was like, like for morning announcement, and she just kept going, and she got in the groove, and then the real announcer was like, cut it out. And she was like, oh, oh. Because she was like so good at it. She was so in it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I had the idea of trying to find a clip or a meme or something or whatever to show you to like start the thingading. Uh-huh. I found one. It's really short. It's okay. freaking cute and kind of accurate of what's going on today. Ready? Ready. I can't do negative today. Oh, <laughs> cute i actually love it that you know the two three four year olds that are coming up right now it's like that they're already learning like you know focus on the positive and um you know create your affirmations in the mirror manifest yeah. what you want <laughs> yeah what you want and, yeah you know, <laughs> like they're they're learning absolutely amazing they're learning like manifestation they're learning cultivating they're learning all like collective they're learning all of these words and it's so interesting because it's like i found that um with dealing with children that are like you know dropping kai off at school or going to soccer practices there's strange children that i don't know and one of them could get upset and then I can go over to them and be like, hold on a second. And, you know, just even teach them how to start grounding themselves and tapping their chest or having them focus on breathing or say, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you like take this up? Like Kai was not feeling well the other day. And so I was trying, I said, can you try and push the illness out of your body? And he was just like, I don't know how to do that. And I was like, okay, do you... Do you know what it feels like? What is that feeling of your sickness? Like when your feet are, when your legs are bothering you, when you're, when you're, um, when your back is hurting, when you've got the sniffles, like it, you know what it feels like, right? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I go, okay, I want you to take all of that, just put it into a big, big ball in your chest. And then I want you to just explode it out of your body and get it as far away from you as possible. Can you do that while you're sleeping tonight? And he's like... Okay, I can try. I can do that. I can do that, Mom. And so that's how I said goodnight to him and, like, literally hasn't been sick since. So, like, but it's those conversations were not normal for you and I. I was heart, I was, I was closeted. Yeah. And the freak. Well, and and not only that, I mean, it was kind of like, you know. Or hushed, too. Yeah, hushed or. Yeah, I mean, suck it up and get over it, or, you know, whatever the attitude was, it's like, if you were crying about something, it was like, oh, hush, before I give you something to cry about, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever it was, I mean, it's like, and now it's, it's, it's like, it's almost... It's night and day. It's, it's, it's so very different, and yeah. I, I don't, like, I do have to say I really don't like um, some of the aspects of the... Kids, the you the word of anxiety and depression being used so frequent, and it's being so readily like used on a spectrum aspect of psychiatry, that bothers me um, because these kids are highly sensitive. They're hi- highly in tune. They're highly they're highly gifted. Like all of us are born with it. All of us are highly gifted. We just have to 
be aware and pay attention and start like kind of training ourselves on how to deal. Right. And the thing that bothers me about, I love that I'm seeing all the younger children being, you know, doing yoga and meditation and doing breathing exercises and using oils and doing all of that stuff. But then I'm seeing these teenagers that are caught right in the middle. So it's like you have, you know, the adults that are shut, shut off or blocked off. Then with the exception of us weirdos and then you've got and then you've got the younger kids that it's like I am me or it's okay to be me I'm like you know and manifest what you want or whatever and then you know like or you know if a kid's sad they're like see on the positive side it's okay it's okay it's all gonna be fine just breathe like you know like kids coaching other children to breathe and to like and how to do it but then you have this teenage group where it's like, it's like it's almost like they just they got caught in the mix of the the unbelievers versus the open and awake, and it's and then they they're stuck with the the titles of the anxiety and the titles of depression and the titles of like give them drugs and blah 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 to fix their problems, and it's like to the point where they can't even function. Like Leo's one of Leo's friends, literally told her that she could or could she wasn't sure if she was going to be able to come to her little brother's birthday party which was at a fun place that obviously my teenage daughter felt comfortable inviting her teenage friend to come to it and in the midst of that she's like I don't know my anxiety is so bad right now I could barely walk into Walmart and it's like in the weird part the worst part was is her mom is very sensitive and very intuitive and she has her she has the freaking crap ton of crystal collection that would cover this entire room like I mean tons and I'm sitting here thinking what the hell's going on inside that house that the mom who's already intuitively inclined is not having these discussions with her daughter to the point where she's still wrapped up into her anxiety that it's sending her into a tailspin or Sometimes they were, you know, it's like it was pushed on them so much when they were little and when the magic wore off because it, they couldn't make it work instantaneously. Okay. They stopped believing in okay. what was possible. Like as if, as their abilities heightened, they, more work needed to be done. Well, you know, you were talking about like manifesting right. and stuff like that. It's like, you know, how many times have you set out to manifest something and it just didn't happen? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, so it's like in a small child, it's like they create and create and create. And at some point they just go, this doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. Or it never works out that way. Or right. whatever, whatever it is. And so it's like they start creating negativity towards the positivity. Yeah, okay. Right? Negativity towards the positivity. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't have even put that together. Because my mind goes... My mind goes into like, okay, getting enhanced upgrades and then be feeling that feeling of being overwhelmed and forgetting the original practice tools of creating your safe bubble and things like that. It's like the simplicities that you had to use at the beginning when you, you know, like when you would get just, you would just be overwhelmed and then you start utilizing your beginner tools. And then afterwards you kind of outgrow those beginner tools and you don't, use them as much and then I like forget like it's like oh look I went through a major upgrade oh my god I can't even breathe I could like seriously see the tree pulsing and then like being like oh man like 
like whatever. And then you start, and then I start convincing myself that I'm crazy or something instead of being like, oh yeah, go back to square 101 and start re, go back to your toolkit and start reutilizing your toolkit. And then, yeah. Well, I mean, and two, we have to remember like in a world of, you know, anxiety, mm. where everybody has, you know, it's like everybody's claiming anxiety. You know, a lot of times what I ask my patients is like, oh, I have the, you know, they'll tell me, oh, I have this trip coming up and I'm really anxious. And I'm like, okay, well, just remember that the vibration of anxiety and the vibration of excitement are almost the same. It's just that one's created out of fear and the other one's created out of joy. And so which one are you going to choose? It's like focus on the joy, focus on you know, feeling that vibration that feels like anxiety, but it can also be excitement. So it's like start start focusing on what you're looking forward to versus worrying about what you're not going to put in your suitcase. Right. You know, it's like having anxiety over whether or not you right, leave bring your everything. underwear or your toothbrush behind. I promise there's very few places you're going to go that you can't buy another toothbrush. Yeah, why do we freak out about forgetting all the things where it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah. oh my God, I forgot my hairspray. I, I, I seriously uh, how often do you actually use the hairspray? Yeah, I seriously have gone on a trip before and I got there and realized I forgot to pack my underwear. How do you know that? I have. I've forgotten socks, I've forgotten underwear, I've forgotten deodorant, I forgot, I mean like, you know, and it's never all with the same trip. <laughs> I don't, I don't ever have to forget my underwear because I don't wear any. <laughs> And if I and if I didn't say that, my husband is probably saying that as he's listening to this podcast right now, being like, "Honey, you don't wear underwear. You don't have that problem." And then he and then I guarantee, if I didn't say that after he listened to the podcast later, he would be like, "Honey, why didn't you say that?" So I feel like I have to out myself right now publicly. I live in leggings for Christ's sake. Like I live in yoga pant leggings, and wedgies is not fun in leggings. And so therefore, it's just sometimes nicer to go commando. It just is, and it's. It's just, it's fine. So it's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then I, I have, I've only told a small amount of people that. And then when, oh, apparently that's, the jig is up now. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's not a secret. Everyone <laughs> knows now. <laughs> oh, crap. Anyway, but like, so, but yeah, so but I've told, I've told somebody and they kind of looked at me like, oh my God, seriously? And I was just like, yeah, but then once I explained to them, they're like, yeah, actually I can understand that. I was like, come on. I mean, like everybody knows when you're looking at somebody with yoga pants on, you can see the lines or, you know, the bulging out of like whatever. And I'm sorry, but like, I just don't, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, a thong helps, but still. No, I just know. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm fine. Like, yeah, no, I'm just like that's for dresses and skirts, and then I and I, you know, you have to be uncomfortable. And yeah, but no, like after kids, I don't think so. I'm fine. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary. Yeah, but it's also those things of like you know, think about it. Some of the stuff that we used to wear when we were younger, right? You kind of you grow out of it no longer aligns with you right it just you eventually all of a sudden you know I really liked yoga pants I had the capri bottoms where it wasn't connected now I have them attached to my leg like and I like joggers like where I probably would have never worn like a jogger style ever before I resisted the jogger phase for uh, until joggers started to phase out 
And then, and I, now I'm like fully addicted. And then they, thankfully they're still in and still carried in because I like those pants. But like, but I find it interesting on how it's not just the stuff that we start to outgrow. It's also the behaviors or the emotions or, you know, those different things. Like, you know, it's, it's energy that you, you're like, you know what? I don't feel like playing with that type of energy anymore. I don't like, you know, it's like a friend that may have a very chaotic living situation or craziness and then you finally say you know what there's just a lot to deal with and then you decide that's energy you don't feel like playing with anymore and it's not saying that you didn't honor the friendship that you had with them because they served their purpose at that time in your life but then you start to outgrow certain things and it just doesn't resonate with who you are anymore so it's not just like the stuff it's also like the energy and the people and whatever there's like saying that something about a season, right? Everything has a season. It's like it comes in and then it goes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like phases of life. Mm-hmm. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. And these dogs. These dogs. I, I don't play. think. I know, but I don't think they seem to go through very many phases other than I'm up and I'm down. Actually, you know, I, I noticed over. Miko's almost four. And it's like every, I mean, after she hit a year, it was about every six to nine months, something would shift and she would just seem a little more mature. Or like she wouldn't have to be as close to me on the couch. Or she wouldn't... More independent or aged? Just, um, kind of both. But just kind of like a level of maturity. Like she wasn't as needy or um, she didn't have to have me every time she went outside. She, You know, those kind of things were... Used to, she, she'd run outside, but then she'd come back in and be like, wait, why aren't you coming? You know, so I think they have those phases, too. We just... They're just different. They're just different. Right. Well, and at least they're not like, you know, like adults where, you know, they just get old and crotchety and then they start yelling at random people because they don't have the patience to leave. <laughs> She's still in her 20s. Okay. <laughs> Uh, they might turn into snarls in ten years. In, in ten years, there might be some snarls, but no, those are those are happy snarls. And we did not plan that. That was not that was not a planned discussion. That's actually kind of funny. Like do that on cue anyway. Not with my dog. Yeah. Too bad you didn't have the video on that one. Yeah, I know. She, she just, just looked at the the microphone like, yeah. Why would I do that? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm totally incapable of that. Completely <laughs> incapable. Completely. Well, it's so cute because we we I mean we had so much fun. For those of you that don't know, Audra went away and got a well rested R and R, and so that meant that she left Miko to play, and um, you know. Let's just say that we have lots of sheets to wash because we have Miko hairs everywhere. <laughs> and actually, surprisingly, we haven't, we didn't do it after you picked her up. Like, I thought that I was going to be stripping the beds and everything or whatever. And no, we're just all saturated Miko hairs this week. And <laughs> it's, like it's perfectly, covered. well, and it was actually kind of cute because when we went to bed last night, Rudy's kind of sat, like, he was kind of like, hey, wait a second, where are the dogs? Because we got into the habit, most of the dogs, and when I say most of the dogs, I mean my two, my Great Dane and my Beagle. My daughter usually takes both the dogs in with her. They sleep with her. When she wakes up in the morning, she lets them out. And then they usually come in, clog hopper open my door, meaning the Great Dane comes in and lets herself in. And then they both run in and then they jump in bed 
and then they snuggle up with us and then sleep until the alarms go off. Okay, like that's our regular regime. And then instead, what ended up happening was <laughs> we can't keep Tuck Tuck from attacking Miko. Every time Miko's in a room, laying down, sleeping, anything, Tuck Tuck will just go up and just pounce on her. Oh my, not even a pounce. She just would go up and like and grab her grab her leg with her mouth. And she would just start chewing on her leg and being like, to tug up. And then Miko could be sound asleep and be like, dude, like whatever. And the next thing you know, they're rolling around like crazy. So Leo had a hard time because the dogs took an hour to settle down before bedtime. So then we would take Nui and we would take Tuck Tuck. Like Tuck Tuck would be left alone. We'd bring Miko and Nui to bed with us. And then, of course, you know, Miko just waddles in with her coochie poochie and she's she just waddles right in and then she like she jumps like to you know to give me the signal like put me in the bed put me in the bed and we have a big captain's bed because you know it's a little bit tall for her to jump into and then Nui just went and then just goes straight into her bed on the floor and like and then that's how we were and so it was really funny because when my husband and I are getting ready for bed, he's like, okay, where are the dogs? Like all excited that it's like snuggle time and we have no dogs. And he's like, well, this is new. Like, <laughs> he's like, I missed the puppies. Yes, he did. Well, and I think what I liked about it though too is because like we've had Miko like over here tons of times before, play with her all the time. And when it's not your dog, when it's not your child, there's a different schedule. So you're like, you're almost, it's like it takes you a couple of days to get acclimated to their routine. And like, cause I don't feed the dogs in the morning. I don't go through that system. I don't go through a regular routine in the morning. It's kind of get up, go run out the door, like blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I had to do extra things. And it was kind of, it was a different thing, but I did feel more organized. I was like, oh, okay. I actually got these things earlier done in the day rather than late. Like just now when I got home from taking my kid from soccer after a long day of work, it's 4 p.m. and the windows are still closed as if it's nighttime. And I just like walked in the bedroom and was like, oh man, I haven't even opened the shutters. <laughs> I was like, crap, if Miko was here, I would have had done it already at like, eight o'clock and I was just like oh that's different and the, the funny part is is that doing that different kind of schedule is kind of nice because it takes you out of your comfort zone it takes you out of your regular comfort zone sometimes you don't like it sometimes you don't like it like having her sit on my head while sleeping or having her curl around and she decides to kiss you whenever the f she wants to in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. she doesn't do that to me. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Auntie. She's like, I can get away with it with you. <laughs> like, whatever. Because, like, I could, like, it's morning, and she'd just be like, she'd lift her head up, and then she'd just lick my freaking ear, and I'd be like, dude! And I'm like, and then I'd start, and I'm like, and I'm like, normally I'd swat at my dogs, but then it's Miko, you can't swat at Miko. So I was just like, Miko, I do not like that. Auntie does not respond to this well. Like, and so... And eventually she got in the routine to not do it. It just took her like five days. And then after that, we were all good. But it was really, it was funny because there were parts of the schedule of having her that was really nice because it changed some of our routines where I was like, I really kind of enjoy this. Or it identifies, I don't talk to my dogs enough. I treat them so much like dogs instead of 
living beings. And so, and then I was like, because that's how I was trained. I was trained in a program where you taught, you treated dogs like dogs instead of living beings. And so it became very apparent to me that I was like, man, I really don't have conversations with my dogs. I don't express to them what's going on. I'm not explaining anything. They're, they've got eyes, ears, and everything. They're fully witnessing all the behaviors. So why am I not taking the time? I mean, I do that on the side when I snuggle them, but I don't do that regularly through That's the day. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've kind of always, I, I, and I don't consider myself an animal communicator at all whatsoever. I do communicate with my animals though. Um, and I've kind of always been that way. And you know, ever since she was basically a puppy and I did regular training, but at the same time, it's like, I never wanted to force her. I wanted her to choose things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I wasn't going to drag her and throw her in the car. I was going to open the door and, you know, just give her the command of being like, up, up, let's go. And then she had a choice. Yeah. It's like, do you want to stay home or do you want to get in the car? You know? And she makes, and she does it. And she does it. I mean, you know, it's like most times she just goes and hops right in. It's like she wants a good, you know, rubbing down her side first or whatever it is. Well, yeah, but then, but, but having her over, it just makes me realize how dumb my dogs are because I have not been doing that. Well, and it's just sorry, you know, it's just an exercise. In, <laughs> it's just an exercise, and you know, it's like if we are all spiritual beings, okay, mm-hmm. it's not just us as humans, but they are too. It's like we can communicate with them on that level, right? And um, I'll be really, really honest, and I'm going to give a shout out to someone else on another podcast. Is, uh, it's called Enlightened by Dogs, and it's done by Kathy Kowalik. And her entire program That's a cool for name. training, yeah, Kowalik. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, I don't think I can say it, though. Kowalik. Kowalik. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, um, and it's fun to say, too. It Try it right yeah, now. Kathy Kowalik. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I do um, not know this podcast. I'm just saying I like the, I really do like the name. But, but she she actually that's that's her entire training and what she does is she helps people, especially with that have problem dogs, to create a relationship with them and help them get um, to where they're having a much easier relationship. So she's worked with a lot of people that had like super anxious dogs or they'd rescued one that was just out of control or whatever it is but her background is that she actually trains dogs for um like events and stuff for events for um she has a bunch of border collies and they hurt sheep and things I don't okay. know. I don't know enough about it, right? Okay. Um, but that's how she got her background. You don't herd sheep on your day off? I don't herd sheep on my okay. day off. Hmm. I really don't know about it. I really don't know about, hey. you know, what, what kind of things that uh, <laughs> border collies do. But I do know they herd That's the things. sound of sheep makes, right? <laughs> eh. Or is that one? Okay. <laughs> like, did I get the right animal? I was like, I was and not raised those. on a farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't raised on a farm either, but... I do like animal sounds. <laughs> I do. <laughs> her, her, her. Yeah. That's Curious George. <laughs> Curious George. Her, her, her. Okay. The cartoon. Have you seen yeah. the cartoon Curious George? I'm not in a really, really, really long time. Shame on you. <laughs> her, her, her. <laughs> <laughs> like I grew up on Woody Woodpecker. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of reminded me also of Fran Dresser. You remember Fran yeah. Dresser where she always had her like nanny sound yes. and then she, yeah, that's so funny. When she actually has a very deep voice. 
and actually a very like more soothing voice. She doesn't have that high pitched nasal voice that was whole, totally her shtick. Yeah. Which I can you imagine building a career oh, off of, of pretending that something voice. that you are that's not oh. you, but that's not that's not a hundred. That's, 100%, not, who you are, that's yeah. not who you are. Although I think it would be easier to have those roles that you were completely opposite from because you would know it'd be much easier to distinguish. Oh, to on and the off. Role I play, and this is who I am. Actually, that's true because I mean, like we've all seen, like, like Heath Ledger, who you know, they said that after he played uh, Joker. Joker, that he never was the same. Like it messed. Yeah. He like he he did what he did best, which was compassionate actor, studying the part, diving into understanding the character, so he could bring it to life. And literally, they say that he basically he went down into the rabbit hole and then he just and he got all mixed up. Or that's what I mean, or at least yeah. that's what they say. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. Yeah, I, you know, I think that, um, and I really don't know anything about the acting world, but I think there are people that other than they truly a, embody their character in a way mm-hmm. that it really bec- they they become it mm-hmm. for. You know, whatever whatever length that they have to play that role, and when you've got something that for is, a year, if you're playing that person for, for a, year, a year, you're gonna pick up traits. I was gonna say because it's and, it's and behavioral it, training, and when it's something that is you know really diving into an unbalanced dark side, I think it would be very hard to right. step back out of that. Um, if you are the type of actor, now there's absolutely actors that can be like, oh, I know what that's supposed to be like, and then they go and they play it. They do an amazing job of it, and then they can turn around and be like, "Yeah, that's not who I am. I'm, you know, right, Joe Blow or whatever. right, right." Well, and my and my whole thing is, is I did a um, a community. Uh, they called it. I had, was it part of two groups when I was younger, and one of them was like community empowering young adults, and it was like a community based, like doing soup kitchen, or supposed to be like that. And when I was president of it, that's what we we did the community, we did the fun. But then as I after I left. They just focused on the fun and they didn't do any more of the community aspects, which was disappointing. And then, of course, it just dissolved and whatever. But the other thing I got recruited for was a group called Supporting Players. And Supporting Players was a um, it was basically a like a group where a group of kids that social workers put together to enlighten uh, the youth of hardship issues and things that happen inside the home. And so. And it was kind of a way like where you do acting skits of a situation. So you could have someone that, you know, was testing the waters with drugs or someone that was having um, parents that fought all the time or you had, you know, just hardships that you experience. And you like we do you it was all on the fly. It was all on the fly. And because of my loud vibe, like raw voice that I ha- I seem to have been gifted with, which is kind of a curse sometimes because my family, I could be talking about something very passionately, directly, just like this. And for some reason, my family hears it as lecture and yelling. And so, and it, and I, and it's it, a lot of it's because of that tone. I cannot seem to shut off it. I'm just born with it. And I, you know, it's not like okay, darling, what would you like for? Would you like some chocolate milk? Sound like you want some chocolate milk? Like, like just yeah. like, you know, so I have a little bit of an aggressive edge with my voice, which, you know, really came in handy because I would play roles. But to be perfectly honest, a lot of the roles that I ended up playing already hit close to home. And so because, I, you know, I was abused as a child and I went through a lot and I went through, you know, feelings and 
loss of not having feeling love and things like that of that nature or feeling alone and walking on eggshells in the house and so the amazing the thing that was great was that having that experience helped me be able to portray that when we went to these elementary school like elementary schools and like middle schools and we would put on these skits because you know and I would yell loud and like and describe do this whole thing and what was really interesting is that as soon as you like you turned the way that you did it was you had your little play box or whatever you and then when you were off the scene you just stood by the edge of the crowd and you looked you were like staring down at a kid so I would go on do this like screaming thing and then I'd turn around and I'd wink at a kid smile and laugh or like whatever and the kid would be like what the point like how did they she just shut that off so quick because it was acting it but yeah. the other thing too was that like the it the the adults the social worker the social workers the like school psychologists those people the reason why they recruited me was because of my experience, but also because like when I would do it, they were like, holy shit, that was so spot on. It was so accurate. And to the point where like I would make some of the teachers that were there cry and I triggered some, and like, and but me not knowing that those were triggers of almost hitting close to home for them, I'm sure. Which not realizing that not only were we providing awareness for the little kids, but we were also providing awareness for the adults and I didn't even I was oblivious to it because I was just a little kid doing the things just doing the things that you were doing doing, doing the, things. the things you'd seen yeah right yeah. exactly yeah, absolutely I'm sure as I when I was younger that I could have stepped into that role a whole lot easier because of the things that I saw in my childhood but now I would find it really hard to do I think just because I create such peace and calm in my environment right so that, that brings up for me is like really looking at how we pay, play roles in life. And, you know, I notice like whoever I'm around, it's like I tend to, it, it's not that I'm not being me. It's that different people bring out different personalities in me. Yeah, right? very and much so. so. But, but I always feel like, you know, that, that there's a role that's set up by the interaction with whoever you're with. And um, I did a, a spiritual journey in Bali years and years ago. And, um, you know, one of the things that I have gone nowhere, it, by the way. Really? <laughs> one of the things that I came went around, to Bali. Like, yeah, like, well, sorry. And it was a spiritual journey with a group of people, right? I'm totally doing they, that because I'm totally jealous. I'm right, just saying. Yeah, it's all right. We'll have to go to Bali. Massages are really cheap. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> Actually, I stayed in a little bungalow. It was like thirteen dollars a night. Okay. Now I'm totally can you, distracted. Can you but... fly? It, the cost to fly to Bali, get a massage, and come back is it cheaper than what we've charged no. here? Okay. All right. <laughs> no. All right. Continue. I was like, you have to go for like the whole, the whole experience. But the whole point was, at the end of it, <laughs> it's like I had this realization that each person that I interacted with. It was like one of them I was acting with them the way that I would with my brother. One of them I was acting with them the way that I would my sister. One of them I was acting with them and interacting with them the way that I would of my father. And, it, I, you know, the list just went on and on because there was like 17 people or something in the group. And each of them had something that they pulled out, a role that they pulled out in me that was very reminiscent of how I acted with the closest people in my life. Well, I find my... And I think that that happens to all of us at some time. It's like, you know, that there's people that... <laughs> you're totally getting a face washing over there. Um, <laughs> Bless you. 
But you said. Yeah. That's okay. I get distracted with all the, all the, all the dog licking. Well, the thing that I've noticed is, is like, I I do that also. And I notice that I have that happen with clients. Like, mm-hmm. I am who I need to be for that person. And I always say that before I go into an appointment. You know, I always kind of, like, connect with the great divine and say, allow me to be who I need to be for this person. Bring the words that they need to hear at, at like, in this time of their life. And that's what, that's what I do when I go into a session. Now, the interesting thing is I have a husband and wife that I'm starting to work with. Now, I've been working with this woman for four and a half years or something. And I've been basically recruited to start working with her husband and help with recovery. The interesting thing is I also do the different. I'm a different person for him as I am for her. But the weird part is, is that on Saturdays, they're both in the house. And then I realized, and then it dawned on me, oh crap, she's probably not used to seeing you behave, like react or behave or conversate like this. So this might be different. And then I was just like, oh, I hope that's not perceived. I wonder how that's perceived by her. Mm -hmm. But then as soon as I thought it, I didn't give it much extra thought at all. But when you said that and you said like you had to be, you were different, it pulled a different personality of you out of your system. It very much made me reflect over even like past dating experiences, right? Like most, I can tell you all of the boyfriends that I've had in my past, not once did I get to be who I was who I am. They, I was always somebody for them or to help them be whoever the hell it was. It was like, I, it wasn't myself. Like they pulled out a part of my personality, but I could never encompass who I am and be who, fully who I was until I met my husband. He's the only person that I've ever been able to exist as I am and have it be completely acceptable, loved, embraced, and even motivate, like supported. So, which is a huge difference, which I've tried to tell him this thousands of times. He doesn't fucking get it. Like, he doesn't get it. And it's like, there isn't anybody else in the world because I've had my experience. I They pulled, like you said, parts of my personality out, but I never actually... But they're not the parts that you wanted to embrace and always be. They weren't me. They weren't, they didn't, like, they, they, they're, they were they're traits. Of you, they're traits. They weren't all of you. Yes, yeah. exactly. You need to be all of who you are. Right. And I think that's really important when we think about, we all kind of do that. We all do that with work. We do that with our mother-in-laws. We do that with our dogs. We do that with our friends. You know, like everybody has a different friend group. They have a different friend group because it's a different vibe. It's a different feel or a different thing. So it's like, you know, that's, that's something that all of us do. And I think it's really important for us to kind of start discovering I, I have a blockade where I don't let a lot of people in. Now, I, I'm i an open book. I will answer anything. I'll talk about everything, even the inappropriate things. Obviously, you guys know I don't wear panties. So, like, <laughs> like, I talk about all the things. But the thing is, is that when I actually bring, like, people into my daily life, like, I... I I don't shut doors. I will open people up. But at the same time, I don't ask people for help. I don't like to inconvenience people. Um, I don't like to put burdens. I don't, I, it, I have this awkward vibe where it's like this blockade that I can't do that. And what I've really found this year is that with a lot of the healing that I've done for myself, removing some of the programming and behaviorals, the behavioral cycles that you get into, because I've broken those systems, 
I have found that I have been able to deepen friendships to the point where I am more of my whole self with my friends, which is a very small handful, by the way. But like, you know, like, but I, you know, like it's that you can be who you are and not, and it's like, you know, Audra is what is my closest friend and I can be exactly who I am around her and say all the loony shit that I do. And she laughs at me and sometimes I'm surprised she's laughing because I didn't fucking think it was that funny. But like, you know, but then I'm like, oh, yay, okay, I'm not so bad. <laughs> Look at me, I'm funny. Like, whatever. And like, so like, but the thing is, is that that's what, that's what true friendship is. True friendship is fully accepting somebody for who they are with their quirks and all. And still loving them and supporting them and being there. That is what true friendship is. And a lot of times we spend so much time wasting. I don't want, I don't want to say wasting, but it's like you're, you're communicating with people and you're, if you can't be your whole self, is that where you want to put your time? Yeah. And, and that is a point that I had to come to like years and years ago. I just made up my mind. I was like, if I can't be who I am around people, I don't want to be around them. Right. Right, and so it's like it's I, like putting the I, hat on I, for work or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like if I, I I have plenty of acquaintances that I have that you know my relationship is I'm their practitioner, and I may have a really I'm going to say intimate conversation with them, and it doesn't have anything to do with sex, people. You know, but, intimate but, is a word. Yeah, okay. go look it up. <laughs> really, you know about you know a deep conversation about what's going on in their life, but I'm still in that practitioner role. And it's not like I, you know, I don't ever see them outside of work or anything like that. Right. And that's, you know, part of it. But it's not the same as, like, my friend circle, which, kind of like Abby said, is like, my friends are, it's a small group, but at the same time, it's like every single one of them, I can be exactly You can sit on the couch and put your feet up and be comfortable in their home without feeling like you're in imposition or, you know, like, like you can, you can do that. And I found that... With me starting to do that, I've noticed that I've been able to do that more with people. And I've actually found that some of my clients are now starting to see more of the truer me, which I always remained in the practitioner forum of, you know, like you're the, you're the lead, you're the guide, you're the helper, you're the, you know, the opener up to them. Like you, like there is a, I don't want to say a superiority, but there's this, because it's not superiority, It's but at the same time, like, you know, I'll have clients that look to me for guidance, or they look to me for advice, or, you know, and when, when someone trusts you to share their most intimate details of their life, sharing their kit, they become very close and very supportive, and and there are clients that I absolutely, like, I see them grow, I see them develop, and it's amazing, it's such a glorious, I, I'm so honored to be a part of that experience. And there are some clients where, you know, they, I get to visualize that, but I'm not as connected to it. I'm still in that, there's a little bit of a dis, distance of it. Right. Even though they may look at me like I'm family and can come over for Thanksgiving, and they're like, oh, you can ask anything of me. And I'm like, yeah, that's so sweet. No, not at your level, but that's okay. Like you know, and you and you don't say anything because you're not. You're. It's very dark. It's in. It's very endearing, and it's yeah. it's so lovely that they they start to embrace and love you because of what you've done for them. So they want to do their part, but at the same time, it's like no, no, you don't fully actually know who I am yet. 
Like you've like well, I'm not on that level. And, right. And you won't. Yeah, there's you can't. Yeah. I was gonna say, you know, and that is one thing, you know, being a, a healthcare provider for twenty years, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like there's still that you know even in more of a I'm gonna say feminine where you're sharing parts about your life or you're sharing some things that are more personal, um, which you wouldn't find in more of the traditional model because people are very guarded of like, oh, you don't share personal stuff. But it's like in sharing personal stuff with your clients, it, it allows growth. them mm-hmm. to open up and share their personal stuff. Now, there's nothing that I wouldn't say or I wouldn't write in a book or that I wouldn't, you know, Correct. put myself on um, that I would say to a patient. But sometimes sharing a personal story actually gives them the freedom to open up and share that as well. Right, because they, f- they find and, the common link. And they don't have that anywhere else in their life. Right. And so it's like they do create that bond of, you know, thinking of us or, you know, thinking of me like, um, you know, their friend or whatever it is. And it's not that I don't have, you know, respect and that I want them to grow and that I want the best for them and everything else. But at the same time, they're not necessarily people I would take on vacation with me. Right. <laughs> or have babysit your or, dog. Or, you know, right. have them over even for dinner. Right. There's a comfort you know? level. There's but a comfort there's... level. Like, I wouldn't be calling, like, okay, even though I could call them up if I needed something. Right. But at the same time, they're not that person for me. Right. They're not providing that. Like, I'm yeah. the per- I'm that person for them. And I, and I respect that relationship and I honor it. And I'm just even, just in awe that I get to be a part of, in, of, helping and helping and being and sharing and just providing what I know my knowledge and my abilities and all of that stuff and I love being able to be a part of it but it's there is that it's almost like that disconnect where it's like nope okay now I'm going back into my house like you know it's just very similar to like anybody that just goes to a nine-to-five job they put their hat and they put their professional hat on they go in they are a certain way if you put your professional hat on at home what would happen? Would your spouse recognize you? Would your children recognize you? They they probably be like, dude, like, I'll tell you what happens. like, well, yeah, well, I mean, exactly. And there could be. It's like that's when dad goes. Don't use your school teacher voice on me. Yes. <laughs> or you have the executive at a at a at a biz, at like a freaking high exec VP or whatever that comes home, and if she's still like acting like that, then they're like, man, mom's a badass and she's a little bit of a bitch too like you know like she's like totally yeah and that happens more often you know than we would like to admit that it does right sometimes it's very hard to step out of those roles yeah which is where we started this conversation um because we do oh is that how we started it with roles is that how we started that yeah how funny i'll have to go back and listen to the podcast yeah (laughs) so it's like we do we put on a hat you know we put on a hat or uh you know you're Business. You put on yeah. a hat for mom. You put on a hat for friends. You put right. On a hat but your for home whoever. should be your home should be in but. the whole of who you are, the whole essence of who you are. And I encourage all of you to even go out and start working on some of those, um, like hindering, like hindering things within yourself that are preventing you from being able to do that with some of your family members. You know, like you know, because when it comes down to it, like my mom. She is, um, she, she understands, I don't think she fully understands what I do. She doesn't fully understand what my abilities and what I do on an intuitive level. Um, but she listens and she doesn't question it. 
and she's she witnesses it and she's like you know and I've and I've said to her but the thing is is I am open with her about it I talk to her about it and even though I don't know she fully doesn't understand it at the same time I'm still who I am around her without having to you know talk a little bit more politer like and things like that I mean she listens to our like she listens to my podcast like she um, it was all swear words and all like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, I mean, like she knows who I am and she, you know, and she knows who I, the essence of who I am. Not everybody gets to fully embrace that. Some of us always reserve a piece of ourselves around our family members. And I told her the other day, it's funny that was, this is our whole conversation. Cause I literally had told her like two days ago that one of the things I, you know, in my fa- family, it's like my dad's side's the bad side, my mom's side's the good side. Like that's just kind of how it's always been, and it really was because of the ba- the troubling upbringings we had. It was more of it was my father and blah blah blah, and that's a whole nother thing. But it didn't mean that that side was bad. It just was he was not well, and then that made a lot of issues. And what I find interesting is I said that you know on my on the good side of the family, you know. I never questioned anything on how we did things in our family, our patterns, our behaviors, our cycles. I never questioned any of those things because they were the good side. And so, and then it's become apparent to me there are things about my that side of the family that I really frustrate me because they're highly, highly intelligent individuals. My grandfather raised us to all think individually, like have deep discussions, actually like look up facts, do all those things. And it was really fascinating on how he raised each of us and how everybody has very, you know, grandiose conversation, intellectual conversations. But the one thing that we never did or learned properly was one, how to rely on each other. So it was straight, like, so, you know, you get together, you share, you get to share your time with your dinners and you enjoy your time and you talk about things and da 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 And we always have a great time, but it's like the professionals in the family that could help you when you are having issues we don't ask them. We don't reach out and say, oh, hey, my brother did that. Let me ask that question. Ask him a question. Oh, hey, my aunt like knows things like that. Let me ask him a question. We don't honor the education or like the, the professional status of each individual in, in our family. And the other thing that we don't do is all of us, I don't know why this is, but every single one of us, all the cousins, everybody, we all think we can do it our fucking selves. Like we, we go out and research the answers and then we, or we're like, oh, okay, I can figure this out myself instead of calling someone and maybe just having an open communication. And so, and that I decided, I just told my mom, I, like, I don't like those things. We're not going to do those things because we need to change that in our family because I don't want my kids thinking that they have to find all the answers themselves when it's like, okay, if they're having a health question, just ask mom. Yeah. But honestly, it's like, I, I think some of that dynamic might be changing slightly, but at the same time, it just takes time because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's even professional rules about you're not supposed to work with family. You're not supposed to I don't want to work with family. You're not yeah. supposed to anything. And, and that comes from, you know, all of those longstanding history of, like, it just didn't work. Yeah. Or, you know, people end up with trust issues or with whatever over... You know, yeah. the advice that you gave wasn't what they wanted to hear, or it didn't turn out the way for them that ideally it should have, or but whatever. That, but it doesn't is. that go and back so, to hurt? It doesn't that go back to hurting your ego 
doesn't then have to go back to having there's triggers within your own system that need to be worked out doesn't that go back to hey you know like that ends up being about them not me and so like and that's and that's kind of the thing it's like i could i could honestly have a conversation with anyone in my family and if they didn't take my advice i wouldn't be i wouldn't take it personal at all yeah. it's like okay you call me i appreciate the fact that you took the time to call me and then ask like cool yeah. and then it's like here these are this is what's coming and you know if like these are what ends up happening and then explain things to them and if they go that route then fine and then if they don't like my uncle actually reached out to me and asked for some assistance like with his low back pain and whatever and I gave it to him and of course you know he was the classic impatient person and you know wanted the quick fix so of course he ended up getting surgery and then oh guess what then they get a problem like you know like there's you know and it you know you warn them but at least you know like I actually and this is uncle that drives me crazy that I constantly call an asshat but like, but the thing is, is that the, I honor, I liked the fact that he made the attempt. He made the attempt to reach out and ask questions. And that I actually really respected. And so, and therefore, you know, when he's being an asshat, I'll be a little bit nicer to him. Like I'll sugarcoat my reactions to him because, oh, you know what? At least he was smart enough to kind of say, you know what, I'm going to go outside of the family normal dynamic and try and start shifting and changing some of that stuff there. Yeah. I, and, I, you know, it's, it's like it's great that we're in a generation that we can make those changes right now in our family lineage, right? But at the same time, it's like a lot of times it takes generations. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what you teach your kids and them making those choices because of you, some of them will, some of them won't. Yeah. You know, and it just, it takes time. I, I actually spent, on my vacation, I, I reconnected with some of my dad's family that I haven't seen in probably close to 35, 40 years. Um, you know, so I was a small child when I... <laughs> How old were you? Uh, eight or nine. Nine, I think. Do you remember them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember details. I don't remember. And they were older, like the, the two girls in particular that I went to. Do you, you remember with. the essence of being around them yeah, or whatever? Well, I, they were, they're a good 10, 12 years older than me. So my perception of them was very different than actually getting to know them. Right. So I got to know them as adults and that was a lot of fun. And, um, I don't know, you know, it's like my, my dad was one of those that he walked away from his family and just kind of said, I'm not doing things this way. I mean, it's like he had a very abusive situation in, in his childhood, and he's like, I'm not going to live that way. Hmm. And so he distanced himself from all of his family. Cut him out completely. Cut him all right. out completely. And um, with the exception of the aunt and uncle that had um, a, a lot of uh, impact in raising him, and this one particular cousin of his, whose kids are the ones that I went and saw. And I actually did see her as well. Um, but... You know, just listening to them talk and listening to them and their perceptions of his family outside of just his mom and dad. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because you, yeah. Because it's like I, I did never had any inter- interaction hardly with any of them, other than, like I said, the, you know, the little bit of interaction with this part of the family. So I, I don't know where I was going with that, other than just to be like, you know, we, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know until we go out there and explore. Right. And when it comes to roles Especially when it comes to perceptions. Right. Which that was an episode that never got recorded, so you'll never hear it, but... (laughs) We did it. We did it. It was very, very It was was our best... We did two of them. (laughs) It was was our best podcast, guys. It's our best... (laughs) 
our best two podcasts we've ever done and we did them back to back and both of them were completely different all in perspective and it was fantastic yes but anyway it wasn't, the universe, it wasn't meant to be heard. it wasn't the universe but, but the universe wasn't ready was, you know it's like what i what i really love to help people do is help them to step out of those roles step out of you know their perceptions of who they are as you know, the wife or who they are as the mom or who they are, whatever, and just give them space to really be like just who they are. And I know that's like really simple words, but when you really get the impact of it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a completely different, um, I, I mean, it's, it's so healing to be in a space to where you're allowed to just be whatever comes up. With you. Well, and it's interesting because when you say that, and I, and when you say that, like being who, like just being who you are, not the wife, the mom, whatever. And it's funny because I don't feel in my own home that I have to put on the mommy hat and put on the wife hat when I come home. We're in a, we're in a, we have our regimen. We like do our things, but like, I never feel like it's like, okay, gotta go put my mommy hat on or whatever. Like there's occasionally where like, you know, one kid might be upset and I'm like, oh, we'll talk to him, but like actually like put in the mom work, you know, like, but like, but other than that, I mean like just the essence of, you know, yeah. and that, but that's because it took a lot of practice. It does. And I mean, it's like when you ask people, who are you? When you ask that, the first thing they're going to tell work. you. Work. They think their identification yeah. is who they what they do for a living. I, I'm what I do for a living. I'm a mom. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a coach. I'm a you know. <laughs> well, and that's the thing Whatever is, if I've ever had to explain who I am, I'm just like, this is it. Yeah. I'm here. I yeah. This is who I am. It's like I'm joy. I'm goofy. I'm fun. I'm <laughs> pantyless. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Or whatever it is. But, yeah. I mean, it's like the essence of who we are is who we actually are. And not all of the roles. So, anyway. Well, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Embracing the Wild. We hope you go out and embrace your inner wild. (laughs) What the fuck was that? (laughs) Is it like a foreign bird? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) 